or having a vision often depends on where we are physically and spiritually. But with the reminder that we are not always where we think we are, and we need to be farther than we are in light of vision in working and sowing the seed for the kingdom. Appreciate the, the choice of songs. I was really like the one open my heart. And a phrase in there, so that I can stretch and grow. What we need to do. Physically, we live in a world and human beings are interesting if you have not found that out. I'm always amazed at uh, adults who have access or are around babies. You see adults express themselves, vocalize themselves in ways that when you look at them, you'd wonder what in the world are they doing and thinking. The language that they use in talking to a baby, uh, the baby is trying to imitate us and we're imitating the baby rather than the growing as it needs to be. We have those challenges before us. And there's always that need for a vision and trying to work it in with God's overall vision sometimes is that challenge we have within our life. Satan has his task of trying to discourage us and doing the things that are right or trying to discourage us to postponing the things that we know that we should be doing or could be doing for the, for the kingdom. We've noticed for years and the difficulties we have in the present location of trying to interest people to come and to visit, to worship, and to be a part of the congregation here. And to have an aversion to the physical building, not so much the building per se as the name out front of the building. And so we get discouraged. Why ask? Because they're going to tell you, you worship in a funeral home? I don't want to worship in a funeral home. And so it gets discouraged, and that's Satan working on that aspect of it. And the need to have that vision, we anticipate what we're looking forward to in um, the, the prospect of the new building, uh, the breaking the ground and the, seeing the new structure go up in anticipation of what can happen, what will take place when that is completed. But there's a life in between as well. As we live our life physically, it's often been said that some, so many times we live in, in a time frame that is not our own. Either we remember the good old days, and I remember when, or we anticipate the glorious days that shall come, and we forget about the present day in Psalm 1, 18, 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in that. 
Jesus, the master, teacher, has much to say and to teach us about evangelism. Look, for example, if you will, over in Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35 reminds us that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom that was to be coming, but the preaching the gospel of the kingdom at that time, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He had compassion on the people. Compassion for those that he was definitely working with, those of the Jewish background. And it's interesting that he describes those as wandering around like a sheep without a shepherd. But it also have application to the Gentiles. For having compassion on people, the reminding of ourselves as we look forward or as we look out on the fields that are wide and already into harvest, we'll look at that in a moment, of reminding ourselves, do we have compassion on people? Do we understand what their condition is. That they have no shepherd. They, they really don't, do not know which way they need to be going. And so they get caught up in what they're, where they're at. And sometimes we've written them off. That those are those that they will not listen. They're not going to turn from their ways of life. And yet we fail to have compassion. And we get to remind ourselves at times that the Lord had compassion on us. He granted us time to use what has been given to us. Some of us more blessed than others in that aspect of having godly parents who brought you up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. For those who came to Christ later on in life to realize the patience God had in granting that time to come about so that the gospel may be learned, may be changed, and that correction can be made in the life. He teaches the need for prayer as well. Going down in verse 38 and 38, uh, 37 and 38. He had compassion on the people. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful. But laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of, har of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The fields are ripe. The harvest is, to be, is great to be reached out to. Pray to the Lord of harvest to send forth laborers. If you're praying that, what are you praying for? How are you expecting that prayer to be answered? 
Lord, send forth laborers into your vineyard. Who do you believe the laborers are that are going to go into the vineyard? We're in the fields. They were there in Jesus' day, and you see that so many times when Jesus would tell the, his disciples, listen, just lift up your eyes. Just look around. The fields are wide unto harvest. And in that case, he had reference to whom? Who was coming to hear Jesus there in John 4? But the Samaritans. He'd already talked to the woman at the well from Samaria. She had gone into the city, and she had convinced the people of, this may indeed be that Messiah. Come and listen. Come and learn. So the city was coming out. The Samaritans were coming out to hear Jesus. And the disciples were thinking down the field, you know, down the way, down through time. And Jesus saying, no, that time is now. You just don't see what the harvest is. You haven't grasped what the message is. The gospel is for all. They hadn't quite got that yet. Sometimes we haven't missed, we've missed it as well. The field is already white unto harvest. And he talked later on as well to remind those of his day, to remind us as well, listen. You're going to reap what others have sown, and you're going to sow what others will reap. It's an ongoing process. So it's both signs of it. Paul would remind the Corinthians, it's not the one who plants that anything that is anything or the one who waters that is anything. It's God who gives the increase. And to remind that the work is always there. What you do when you go about your daily business, what you do when you go into grocery stores and the gas station, restaurants, whatever it is, you're sowing seed or you should be scattering seed. And you never know the one whom you will come across. There have been those who have come through the doors just because a kind word has been spoken to them. So they come to learn more. And you're sowing seed for others that they will be in, that they will water on and that God will give the increase. The one who sows and the one who waters isn't anything, it's God who gives the increase. And there again in John 4, when he talks about the Samaritans coming. The principle of sowing and reaping. What a concept for those disciples to learn. We have similarities to that relationship between the Jew and the Samaritan. They're not always identical, I understand that. But that feeling between individuals and between races and cultures has not gone away. Those that 
should have counted their blessings and named them one by one and be surprised what the Lord has done with them and for them. Were the ones that would not even want to go through the region of Samaria. Oftentimes they would cross the Jordan River and go up the other side of the Jordan and then cross back over the Jordan River to get to where they wanted to go without going through Samaria. They had a hatred for each other. And there's a long history for it. And it has some, as human beings would look at it, has some validity to it. But they had forgotten. In the beginning, God had created male and female. Created man after his own image. That all of humanity come from God. And each one in humanity has a soul. And every soul has the right to hear where they are. They may not want to hear where they are. They may want to think that they have no need of changing. But they have not really stopped to look at reality. But see, that concept of not stopping to look at reality comes on down to us today, even in the Lord's church. We have the light. Again, open my heart, Lord, so that I can stretch and grow. That's given in the physical realm, is it not? That we expect a child from the newborn up to the 94, 95-year-olds, that we expect a child to always believe that they can do more than they are. And the baby learns to crawl and then begins to stand up and hang on and begins that finally those taking those first steps. They're not sure. But they are encouraged, are they not? We've been encouraged. You can go beyond where you are. And you do not have to wait for a given time to be able to do that. You start where you're at and do what you can do. And then you progress beyond that. You start with a simple language and then you move on to the more complicated or a complex language and you move forward always. And for us, wherever we are at this particular time is trying to have God open our eyes so that we can stretch. They anticipate the excitement, if you will, in the groundbreaking of the actual groundbreaking and actually seeing foundation going down and the building going up in anticipation of being able to move into that new building and to begin to worship God there. 
It's a thrilling concept. But the work does not begin once we're in the building. The work does not begin now. The work is to have already begun. That scattering of that seed. Looking forward to those opportunities. Dealing with those adversities and, and drawing the strength, if you will, from God and from Jesus. You think what it must have been like for him to walk on this earth. Think what it must have been like for him as he walked on this earth and as he talked to and as he listened to those that should have been and thought they were God's chosen people. To hear how they had totally missed the task that had been given to them. To be a light unto the Gentiles. They would prefer to have closed the borders and not let that happen. And ours is to remind ourselves those fields are wide unto harvest. There are always those that are out there. It starts in the Gospels. Starts with Cornelius. Starts with the Ethiopian eunuch. It starts in a lot of places that they were those that were looking and searching. The Samaritans. They didn't have it right. They knew something was coming. And it's interesting, is it not, that there was a Samaritan woman that would make the comment, could this be the Messiah that was promised to come? And those that had the law, said they were following the law, had missed they hadn't considered. They hadn't asked, could this be the Messiah? Is this the one we've been praying for? Is this the one we've been longing for? And he's here in our midst. Do not know, but as human beings are. I wonder if any of those during the days of Jesus who had rejected him. And then finally saw, whether they saw it or saw it in others, recognized that indeed this is the Messiah of God. And I did not take the time to listen to him. We do that at times in the physical realm, do we not? How many of us wish now that we had taken the time to listen either to our parents or our grandparents or our great-grandparents for some here 
had taken the time to listen to who they were, to what they went through. And we let it slip. Why Jesus is telling his disciples, you're about to let something slip through your fingers. Open your eyes. Open your eyes and look and see what's out there. The fields are white under harvest. Those that grew up in the farming community understand that concept, do you not? When the wheat turns white, it's time to harvest. If you do not harvest then, what? You're going to miss it. The harvest is going to be gone. It's going to be ruined. There's a time for everything. Read that somewhere. Time for every event under heaven. And who knows again, as Mordecai told Esther, who knows whether you've come into the kingdom for such a time like this. Why now? Why this collection now? What's the reason for it? And who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this? To be those that will be that light, that beacon that shines to a lost community. Those who are looking and are lifting up your eyes and looking and seeing the whiteness of the harvest out there. And oftentimes, we look with numbers. And sometimes we do not look for souls. How many can we reach? There are goals, yes. But what soul can we reach? What soul can we touch? Collectively, we have many, many souls that we know that we have in common. And it breaks down all the way down. There are souls that these over here have in common that you don't know about. And there are souls that you have in common that these do not know about. And it does come down that you have souls, individually we have a soul or souls that we know that the others may not know about. Being soul conscious, that awareness of that need of this reaching out, the sowing of the seed. Sometimes we have it mixed up a little bit. We do not want to sow the seed. We want to plant in the heart. I mean, we want it already sprouted. And it's not planting the seed and understanding the law of nature that says you plant the seed and you've got to give the seed time to grow for the seed to be able to sprout up into a plant. We want the plant already there. 
And we deal with time, yes. Today is the only day that we have. Tomorrow is already gone. The day is about gone. Tomorrow may not ever come. We know that. Just more recently, we, we, we are constantly aware of that. Individuals, one after another, that have lost their lives or passed on. And those that could we have said more? Scatter the seed, water upon that seed. One sows and another reaps. Out of John 4 and verse 37. That's part of that universal plan that God has from the beginning of time, where we planted in eternity, but from the beginning time to the end of time. One sows and another reaps. We're the beneficiaries of those who have gone before us. What we have freely before us, we have no concept, really, of what it took for this to be a reality. What the lives that were lost, the lives that were given, just so that you could have access to the Word of God. Because there was a time when it wasn't for people in the pew. And it took some men who wanted to have some vision says, no, those in the pew have a right to hear what God has to say to them and for them to be able to read it. They plan it. You're the beneficiary. And then you share that with others. You're planting. And others will reap. And then reaching out to those who have been struggling. There's a lot of people who are struggling. How they deal with problems. What do they do with the heartaches, the heartbreaks, and, and whatever else is out there that are at a point where they're looking. So we reach out. Help me to stretch so that I may grow. Sometimes in the physical realm, it's that point that I really don't want to stretch. I just prefer to stay where I'm at. And you're encouraged, always been encouraged, step out. Stretch forward and see what's out there. Well, think about it when I've been up in the Appalachian Mountains and get up into one of those high, well, not that high, but get in one of those higher hills there in, in, in the Carolinas. And I think about the pioneers. I said, what would encourage a pioneer to get up on that mountaintop where I was standing, to look out there and see nothing but trees as far as you could see and say, you know, I'm going that way. And travel for days and weeks and months and so forth to get up on another hill, look out there, and see nothing but trees for as far as you can see. And say, I want to keep going that way. Something drives them. That we see beyond the trees. Well, if you're going to see beyond the trees, what? 
You've got to walk. <laughs> You've got to move. You won't ever see what's beyond if you don't move. Same way in God's kingdom. God has a will and a plan for you as an individual Christian. He has a will and a plan for us as his people, collectively. And the only way that we'll see it, or any part of it, is to step out and walk. Jesus said, I left you an example to follow in my steps. You're not walking where you have no idea where you're going. You're walking in the footprints of Jesus. Have compassion. Lift up the eyes. And stretch forward. To God will be the glory. You sow the seed of the kingdom. God will give the increase. To him be the glory and honor forever. As we work, when Jesus comes, will he find us watching? Waiting for that day to come? What will he find in you when he comes again? God in his love, God in his mercy, God in his grace grants you time and opportunity. If life is not where it ought to be, in God's eyes, he's encouraging us to change, grants us the time. We're not yet his child, he grants us an opportunity to change, to become his child. That gospel is for all. And it will change us if we let it grow in our heart. We need to make a change in our lives this evening. If we could assist you, we could help you in any way. Then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.